You obviously know Kung Fu. Hi, this is Lardell Stovall, stunt coordinator, fight coordinator, second unit director for the most recent show on Netflix, Alter Carbon. Also, Universal Soldier, Undisputed 3, Mortal Kombat. And you're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine. My guest tonight is Larnell Stovall, actor, martial artist, stunt coordinator, fight choreographer, currently crafting all of the crazy, chaotic action in the hit Netflix series Altered Carbon. All-around bad, bad man, Larnell, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast tonight. Hey, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Cool. Listen, really quick funny story. Um, I am a fan of uh, Kermit Ruffins and the Rebirth Brass Band, uh, particularly because of the HBO show Treme, which apparently you had a hand in working on some stunts for. Uh, yeah, wow, you're taking me back. I forgot even <laughs> where I told that. Uh, really, I forgot. Um, yeah. Trying to see what did I do in one of those episodes? I'm sure I got beat up or got killed or something like that, or <laughs> or or I, I robbed somebody. Probably, who knows? But yeah, that wow, funny. that was a cool show. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I'm trying to remember too because I can't honestly say that I can remember any action-packed stunt pieces from that show or anything. But um, like you said, it, it was a, a a while ago now. But uh, apparently, I've been following you for a while. So. Oh wow! Wow! Well, hopefully I didn't disappoint. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, Treme was a great show, and uh, and one of the things about that was the the music was so so good, and uh, I that was I think my first uh, introduction to um, brass band music out of New Orleans, so it was really cool for me. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it was very driven by music as well, which is great. The music was like a character too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Um. So, uh, Larnell, a, a little introduction to you. Um, can you give us a little bit about your background? You're a native of New Orleans, which is why I brought that up, right? Yep. It's a, a city with a ton of history, revolves a lot around that music, rich food, a little bit of Mardi Gras debauchery. Um, now, wh- when I think about New Orleans, I think about all those kind of things. I, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily equate martial arts in there. So how did martial arts enter that scene for you? Well, that's interesting because I, I would definitely say the same thing. Uh, but yeah, New Orleans has some great martial arts schools. Uh, it's funny. I was kind of a class clown. And I remember, I'll never forget the story. Um, I was in a ninth grade, uh, new high school. So I didn't know, that, know many people. And it was a private school. And I remember, um, you know, class was clowning around when the teacher left and uh, everybody's making a lot of noise and you know, um, the teacher came back in or something like that and said, if you guys don't calm down, you know, you guys can get detention, which is you have to stay up to school for an extra 30 minutes or an hour. And I remember this one guy who was very quiet, who didn't say anything when everybody was clowning, cracking jokes, doing whatever. He told this other guy, if you don't calm down, he's going to kick his ass. <laughs> and, 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 and a lot of the classmates went, ooh, you better not mess with him. He's going to kick you in the head. And when someone said that, it caught my attention because this guy was very quiet. I've probably been uh, in this class and at this school maybe a few weeks, so I still really didn't know him. And that was the first time someone said something about him, and there was a respect there, you know. But come to find out when I talked to him after class, 
And I was like, hey, you know karate or anything like that? And he's like, yeah. You know, he kept it really, you know, yeah. low profile, really humble. He didn't really talk about it too much. And I kind of picked at him a little more just to get a little more information out of it. And he was like, look, man, this is school I go to, you know, whatever. If you want to come through, you know, definitely come down, et cetera, et cetera. So literally probably a day or two later, you know, I went to the school, sat in uh, an open session, watched the instructor, watched the class, sat there for two classes just to take it in a little more. And from there, I joined. Now, here's a funny story. When I joined, he was on his way to making his black belt. And here's a hilarious thing. I joined... And when he got his black belt, he quit. Oh, wow. So so even though we were at the same school together, we never really took karate together. Wow. It's like I started my journey and he ended his as soon as he got black belt. And what's funny is I went on to become the, one of the most winning champions of that wow. school. Travel the world. And I'm probably one of the only ones that, you know, kind of left and made it and went to Hollywood after That's that. Cool. So it's kind of weird that, uh, you know, how it became full circle like that for me over, over something that was almost an accident. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, like you mentioned that you, you went on to win several championships. Now, as you were studying, that first influence was obviously that guy, uh, whether you knew he was an influencer or not. But um, who, did you have other influences to stay with that martial art and, and just keep achieving? Well, look, before then, I look, I watched martial arts like any other kid. You know, yeah, I watched... You know, Bruce Lee, we used to have Kung Fu Theater down there on Saturdays. And funny part, it was cartoons, Soul Train, and then Kung Fu Theater. That was the order. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. In, in New York, I think it was, uh, for us, it was uh, Kung Fu Theater and then Soul Train. And I, I knew when Soul Train came on that my Kung Fu was over. Yeah, and, uh, and then from there, you went outside and rode your bike all day and all night. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, those were one of my main influences. Yeah, I liked it, but um, it took for me to get into a style, which was karate slash Shotokan, to basically, you know, put something authentic behind it versus just watching something cool on film, you know? And, um, I mean, yeah, I can name people. I can name Bruce Lee. I can name Chuck Norris. I can name the No Retreat, No Surrender movies. I, you know, uh, so I was into like, you know, martial law and, you know, those, those good straight to video canon movies. And I, I used to yeah, love yeah. those. I missed that era. And, uh, so yeah, I, I used to love watching those, but when it came to, um, actually being in class, it was a whole new world for me after that. Was there a film or an actor that initially lit that spark for you, or was it just a, a collective thing? There always was a spark, but the moment I decided to um, make the journey was probably when I saw Blade. Mm. And and here's why. It is funny. Yeah, I knew Wesley Snipes as the actor. I knew him from Rising Sun. I knew him from Passenger 57, uh, New Jack City, and you know other movies. You know, but seeing him in blade seeing that swag seeing that pop that movement that christmas and he was larger than life to me and i'll never forget we brought um the kids from the school there to see it and yeah i know it was rated r but most of the kids you know they were older anyway <laughs> but you know i left with this inspiration going wow i want to do movies now i, I want to go to la and possibly be a stunt guy you know um it wasn't the acting thing that got me. It was the fights. And, and for me, since I was a martial artist and I knew other people had retired from the tournament circuit and actually went to L.A., 
that inspired me even more because I actually paid attention to the two brothers Wesley killed in the movie because there was only two. Right. And I spotted them. <laughs> you know? And and that inspired me because it, it wasn't much. They came in, maybe did two or three combos with Wesley and then, you know, got taken down. They got staked or sliced or whatever. Right. right. But I, they stood out to me because they were the only two in there. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was just enough. That, that was enough. I was like, man, if I could have been one of those two, that would have been great to be in <laughs> such a, a great movie like this. And it really was a great movie. I've always argued that the Blade movies were what kickstarted the Marvel Cinematic Universe long before they ever had that plan. Because if that film didn't succeed the way that it did, I don't think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would exist. No, not at all. I I, I truly believe that. And a lot of people got to remember is Blade did bullet time first before the Matrix. Regardless if they were filming at the same time, if one came out first, hey, we saw it first in Blade. But... But I believe Blade was responsible for X-Men, you know, and Spider-Man. I believe he was responsible for those, you know. So, you know, props to Blade. Yeah, they t- they, he took the camp out of the whole superhero movie genre, and he mixed it with some awesome action. I mean, that oh, yeah. action was really, really off the hook. Yeah, yeah. And, and the funny thing was, ha, <laughs> I remember going home that evening, and I guess I'm about to tell my age because... I remember going home, cutting on my AOL for internet. <laughs> yeah, cut on AOL. And normally, you know, you never stay for, you know, credits. At least not so many people did back then. You know, because if you're in New Orleans, isn't, you probably don't know anybody that worked on this movie. So what did it mean for you to stay and see some names scroll by? But for me, I stayed and I looked and saw who was the stunt coordinator, who was the fight choreographer. And I saw Chuck Jeffries. And when I saw that name, I remembered that name. So I made sure when I got home, I AOL searched Chuck Jeffries, and he had a Chopsaki website. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, which led to me uh, emailing him. And we exchanged back and forth a few times. I sent him some VHS tapes of me in competition. And he said I had talent and potential, and they were about to start prepping Blade Two. Next thing I know, uh, he said, man, if you come out, there, there's a spot for you. Or, you know, I can definitely get you to audition. That was enough for me. Wow. And next thing I know, I quit my job a few weeks later, got on a Greyhound and made it to L.A. Now, funny thing is, he didn't do Blade 2. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> His deal didn't work out, but I was there and that was enough. You know, so I said, you know what, you know, the one in I thought I had maybe it was best I didn't have it that easy starting out because I might have not earned my way into other things but uh yeah once I got there I crashed with a friend and just kept it moving yeah that's an incredible story because that takes seriously a set of brass ones to reach out to someone in the industry uh, out of nowhere across AOL because this is before social media this is before oh, yeah. people were accessible right mm-hmm. I mean yeah. you picked up the phone and you you made a call and then you sent out an actual videotape yeah and I remember that yeah I remember going to my dojo and you know filming butterfly twist sweeps and 540s and flips and dormicadas and stuff and trying to do whatever it took to impress him and um, you know he liked what he saw and said I had a lot of potential and you know, from there, I just, I was blown away. I just took off and said, you know what, let's go make this happen. Kudos for you, man. Kudos to you. Now, yeah. so contrast that with how it is today, because now social media is a big thing, and that's how yeah. how the up-and-comers get noticed. That's how they show their hustle. 
it's one of those outlets that's available now to to casting directors and and choreographers. Now that you're on that side of things, do you actively keep an eye on new blood trying to get into the business? It's not that I keep an eye on it, but I don't ignore people sending me their stuff. Because, you know, um, there's so much great talent, you almost don't have to look for new talent. New talent needs to find you. Because, you know, you're the one in a position that can, you know, hopefully help them make their dreams come true or, or put them in the right position. But uh, if something comes across my way, then I'll definitely pay attention to it. The thing is with new people, you know, there's a lot of molding and a lot of shaping that needs to happen. And depending on the scale or level of the project you're working on, you, you may not uh, have the time to get them ready for those type of projects versus the veterans that just come in and know what to do immediately. You know, but recommendations are fine, you know, as far as like, hey, you know, sorry, I don't have nothing for you on this one. But I'll definitely forward your information to a few people, you know, that might be able to use someone with your talent skill. Because sometimes the lower budget stuff still films and, you know, they need newer guys, you know, where it's not a big budget, but it's about getting on the beach and making a cool fight scene or being in an alley with, you know, I don't know, you know, some of your straight to video guys who are still kicking ass out there. And I still enjoy those movies as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a a different way to do what you did when you you know made that call and sent that tape, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I, I do my best to try and you know not to ignore anybody or give them some advice. Like if I can't hire you, at least I can do is give you some advice or maybe point you in the right direction how to use the social media presence that we have to your best advantage and and don't ruin things. You know, like if you're a stunt guy, don't talk about trying to be an actor. If you're an actor, don't try to use stunts to get in the business. Because, you know, you will get found out or, you know, you'll get exposed that, you know, you're either weak in one area or you're trying to use it for another area. And now from that phone call and that videotape, you have now uh, fashioned a, a filmography that is, I'm not joking at all. It's, it's about 14 IMDb pages long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> well, no. I, I, I would like to take about six of those pages back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But you've worked on some fantastic projects. The Raid 2, Blood and Bone, Captain America, Black Dynamite, which I hear is now getting a sequel. Uh, yes, that's what I'm hearing from Big Bro Mike. That something's going on with it. I, I can't talk about it too much because uh, I don't want to sell anything, but I hear some stuff's in the works. You are saying that you are involved, maybe? Uh, I'm not sure. It all, all depends on schedule because, you know, I have something big coming up that take me out the picture for the next year oh and, wow uh, nice yeah, okay. if, it's ha- if it's happening this year then i'm i'm, I'm probably not going to be available but anything can change in this industry sure you know but as of right now it looks like i could be out the picture for the next year all right so how exactly have you cloned yourself to be able to do all of this work ah uh, i was out <laughs> man look it was funny as it seems like a lot, but the problem is, you know, with film, you can do something. Some projects may take six weeks and next thing you know, you're watching a film. Some projects may take six months and then you're watching that project a year and a half later. And then next thing you know, it may seem like all of it's happening back to back, but they're very spaced out. Like here's an example. I did Rod Alone after I did No Good Deed, which was two years before Rod Alone. But, but it wasn't released until four months after Ride Along. So it may seem like, oh, gee, Larnell's busy. No, <laughs> I did that project two years ago. It was just sitting on the shelf, and I'm not sure if it was waiting for Taraji's name to get a little bigger, or what, waiting for Idris 
you know, to be exposed a little more. But, you know, it came out the right time. It was number one. It's opening weekend. And I, that's all you can ask for, you know. But, you know, it's just interesting when you say make room for these projects because, you know, they are spaced out. Rarely anything happens back to back sometimes because there's always prep, meetings, discussion, script rewrites, you know, before you ever get to film. Yeah. And uh, over the course of all that stuff, you've worked with some amazing people. I think it's probably easier to list the people that you haven't worked with. <laughs> but uh, can you think of, of a few people that you know that you're always going to be able to find that groove with and make something super awesome? Well, always guys like Scott Atkins, Michael J. White will, will come up. Uh, and, you know, Marco Zoror. And, you know, God bless him. He's, he's you know, unfortunately not with us no more. Darren Shalevi. Uh, you know, they're, they're good friends. They're like brothers to me. And, uh, you know, it's easy to walk in and, and put things together with guys like that, you know. But at this stage, I have to find new people to find that rhythm with because, you know, at the end of the day, when these producers are mentioning your name or they're looking at your resume, you know, sometimes they do want to see A-list actors and they want to see, you know, well, what can this guy do with someone that doesn't know martial arts? And that's the thing I tell fight choreographers is it's always cool to do videos with your boys and, um, you know, make them look like a badass and put it on YouTube. But but can you do that with an actor who barely can walk and chew gum at the same time? Uh, we, we, we're going to get into that, I promise, because I really want to find out about that. And I need, and I need your take on it. Okay. But um, just back on this stuff, if at all possible, can you think mm -hmm. of anyone that you really still want to work with that you haven't yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say at the top of the list, I would say Donnie Yen. Mm. Uh, I would say Will Smith. Uh, I would say Tom Cruise. Uh, let's see. There's a few more. Um, obviously Donnie because he's Donnie. I mean, he's a legend. And obviously I would love to work with Jackie Chan. Believe it or not, I missed an opportunity to work with Jackie Chan while I was working on Alter Carbon. It was just a quick commercial, but it would have been a, a little fight scene with him. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, I missed it, but I was so happy. Um, you know, shout out to Andy Chang, who, you know, was his double, yeah. who's an amazing stunt coordinator and action director himself. And, um, uh, yeah, so th those are a few offhand. I mean, look, there's some actresses, you know, I would like to work with as well because, you know, my objective right now is to possibly take what people don't view as an action actress or actor and take that challenge and make you look at them different. Think about when uh, Uma Thurman came out. No one would have said Uma Thurman's going to kick ass. Come on now. And then in Kill Bill's like, oh, shit, Uma Thurman's, wait, hold on. And you never forget that feeling. <laughs> and that's what I want to be remembered for because, you know, projects come and go. But if you can put your mark on somebody and make them a badass that people didn't see coming, then your name lasts longer. Then mm. if you took a Michael Jai or Scott Agnes, who can already kick ass, they expect it. It's expected. The challenge is making it better than their last project or making it better than your best project with them. So you're right. kind of you're kind of fighting yourself. But if there's yeah. a blank slate, you know, for somebody and they come out the gate kicking ass, you know, then you you truly left an impression. So, all right. So speaking of that, I think that's exactly what you're doing with Altered Carbon because it's doing really well right now on Netflix. People love this show. Cyberpunk is not necessarily a genre where I would expect to see a lot of fighting and a lot of action, but they brought you on and you're working with actors and actresses that may not be trained to fight 
but you're giving them this action and you're making it look amazing on screen. How did this whole thing come about? Um, that was interesting because uh, I was up for a project that I won't name because I don't want to take away from it. And um, I could have helped out on it. It's a very big project. And it, uh, someone called me for an interview. And I guess my name got recommended by somebody. And I went in for an interview. And when I walked in the office, I'll never forget that there were some concept drawings of this world. And it just blew my mind. And I didn't read the book. I didn't know anything about it. All I heard is it's scheduled to be the biggest thing on TV, bigger than Game of Thrones. And, you know, for me, that was a little intimidating because I don't normally chase the big budget stuff because big budget stuff, you lose a lot of power. You're just a tool. And, you know, it's rare that you get any say so over your final action. And me traveling out the country a lot, I kind of like being in control of my action, especially how the final product comes out. So needless to say, after I believe two more interviews, uh, I got the notification that I got it. And believe it or not, it was crazy because when they made that call that I had it, I literally had to turn down doing something else that was major and uh, it's going to be very successful. But this felt right because it was something I never did before, you know, and then uh, we took that journey from there. Now, what goes into designing a fight for a show where those actors may not be fight trained? Well, what I did was I pitched uh, an action concept um, kind of montage where by the time they gave me uh, the first script and it did have some characters in it. And they gave me a little background on it. You know, I suggested that we go ahead and get a small team together, even before official pre-production starts, to try to get everybody excited about the vision and I guess why you guys hired me, et cetera, to make sure we bring the right stuff to the table. So I assembled a great team together. And for a few days, we just pitched how certain people should fight, how things should look for certain people, try to make them look different, et cetera. And then we filmed something. And uh, we sent it to Netflix, Skydance, and uh, producers in Canada, and they all loved it. And then a few weeks after that, then it came time to isolating each character and what I thought they should bring to the table based on the script. Now, uh, it must help when the actors uh, really put themselves into learning what you're showing them. Because I saw a couple of uh, behind-the-scenes videos where like Joel Kinnaman and and uh, those guys were really throwing themselves into the training so that they could actually uh, bring those concepts to life. So that definitely has to make it easier. But is it still kind of tough to get them to move the way that you want them to move to, to, to really sell that fight? Well, it's, it's great if, uh, for one, if you're athletic, two, you're into it, and... Um, and three, you're basically showing, you know, how much you want to invest in improvement, you know, but things take time. What we don't want to do is set up the illusion that we can make a badass in a few weeks. That's that's just won't happen. But what you can do is you can create the illusion that they are a badass by having a training program or something set up specifically for them. Like, let's say you have a big fight scene coming up. I don't have time to train you how to be a martial artist, but if the fight scene is choreographed ahead of time, I can train you just on those moves. That way you look good in that specific area. Anything outside of area, you might look like a goofball, but for this fight, you look like a badass because 
you spent your time in the most effective manner. You did the moves that are going to be used versus throwing so much knowledge at you. It's hard to retain it all. If you're doing a bunch of what ifs and you only have a small amount of time, I'd rather attack it from this is what you're going to do. This is the throw. This is the grab. These are the type of punches. These are the two or three kicks I know you're going to use. That's it. So now you feel more prepped and more confident, especially, you know, if there are no changes, but at least I gave you a base where you can adapt slightly. That's cool. Now to contrast that, there are a couple of projects that are on TV right now where the martial arts is less than convincing. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to put that kindly, okay. <laughs> but you know, something like Iron Fist, which I've railed on a couple of times on, on my show. <laughs> Okay, whatever you think of it, uh, I really wanted this show to succeed. I wanted the martial arts to be front and center. I wanted Kung Fu to be super cool again. Uh, And I really liked the character growing up, so I was invested emotionally (laughs) in this character. And then to have it come out and really kind of flop for me as a, a martial arts vehicle was really kind of disappointing. So what is it about something like that where they can't quite get that right well here's all right um here's the funny thing to say anything about that one because you can almost say i'm in the same situation from alter carbon where i could literally look at some of my stunt viz look at how we trained what happened on the set versus what came out in the final product because i wasn't involved with the edit at all so i had no clue what anybody saw until it came on and that's a nerve-wracking feeling because on the smaller projects, I've seen a final product. I, I was able to give notes. I was able to look at the best takes, know when to speed up, when to ramp, when to hold, a break, when to come out of a punch faster. I had no choice on that. So with Iron Fist, I really can't say what went right, what went wrong, because even if your actor you know, did his best, you sometimes you know, a stunt coordinator, a fight choreographer, they know how to protect actors' weaknesses, whether it's, okay, he's, he's kind of uh, iffy on his left. Got it. So on his left, we're only going to do elbows. We're going to do grabs. But on his right, we can do punches. We can do overhands. We can do throat chops because he's more confident on his right. Got it. So we know how to present that. But even if we present that right and protect him and try to do our best to make him look good, if we're not in the edit room, then someone can take the wrong take where his pinky finger was pointed or his fist wasn't truly bald, so it exposed a weakness. And therefore, you may go, well, this is what we wanted to do, but this is what came out of it. Now, um, yeah, there's many stories I heard about, you know, whether it's the training or commitment, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of finger pointing was happening. And, you know, you, you try to avoid situations like that. But, yeah, I, I don't totally understand where you're coming from because, you know, Iron Fist is supposed to be the baddest ass martial artist around next to Shang-Chi, you know. So for me, yeah, I, I was invested. I was looking forward to it, too. But, you know, I always question what really happened, you know, and you, you just don't know at times, you know. So, you know, hopefully uh, season two, which I hear is here. Uh, there's some surprises, so I, I got a good feeling, you know, season two, you're probably going to be seeing the Iron Fish you was hoping to see. 
That's cool. I, I you know, and I, I think they could have solved a lot of that with uh, with just using the mask and, and throwing a real martial artist in there. Oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell that to anybody that, you know, hey, yeah, it's easy to make up great fight scenes where you can just throw the stunt doubles behind the mask. The hardest part is getting the actor to do it. And, and for me, I almost like the challenge of the actor. Because you, you walk away feeling like you were more invested. It's like when a car chase happens and you see the actor inside turning the wheel, acting like he's spinning a car or accelerating really fast. You know, for insurance purposes, you can only let the actor do so much. That's just the way it goes. I mean, Tom Cruise pushes the limit a lot, you know, <laughs> which, which I do admire him for. But, you know, I feel like car chases and things takes you out the movie because we know if you're not inside that car, you know it's a double. And then when you're inside the car, they're probably on some type of hitch or being towed and or they can't only go so fast for insurance reasons. That's why fights, if I can get the actor to do 85 percent of the fight, I've done my job. And that that's usually the goal. Cool. Uh, I got to give you props, too, for naming Shang-Chi. Not a lot of people go right to the Shang-Chi. And uh, I, oh, yeah, he's number one. He's number one. Uh, big time. Big time. And uh, I was hoping Iron Fist would do well so that Marvel would do Shang-Chi. So hopefully that still comes out. <laughs> Well, hey, who knows? I mean, with Black Black Panther coming out and um, maybe it might open up the doors for, you know, I, I hate to put it that way, but there hasn't been an Asian superhero lead on anything, on anything, you know? And to me, Shang-Chi, you know, you don't need a big budget. That's, that's what's crazy. That's like, that seems like a steal that you would take like, I don't know, 35, 40 mil, shoot it in China. Taking that Kung Fu era and bringing it right back in with a Hollywood budget. I think that's all you need to do. Yep. I mean, give it that, I don't know, kiss of the dragon feel with, you know, a little a little mysticism here, here and there. Not too much. But, yeah, it's just a raw, gritty, I don't know, you know, street feel to it. Just, just I don't know, just, it just feels like it's such a no-brainer. So hopefully someone looks out and says, hey, what other superheroes or um, categories have been ignored? I we always love martial arts. We got everybody kicking ass all through the Marvel Universe, but we don't have not one Asian martial arts lead. Yeah. All right. So uh, if, if it happens, I want you involved, okay? <laughs> I think I will pass that off. I feel like, <laughs> no, I, that, that's a lot of pressure on that. You know, it's, yeah, it's sure. like it's like the baddest martial artist around and you're overseeing that. Yeah, it's a, it would be a cool challenge. But at the same time for me, I would say, nah, that that should go to a Wu Ping or yeah, a, Cor- yeah, yeah. a Corey yeah. Yuan. You know, it, yeah, it really yeah. should, respectfully. Yeah. Now, yeah. Bl- now, if Blade comes up, I got dibs on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be cool. That would definitely be cool. But yeah. um, on that note, uh, because we touched on a couple of things there, what are your thoughts on just the state of action movies today? Because you were saying there isn't that uh, Asian superhero and there isn't a martial arts hero either not in big hollywood productions because i think hollywood still does not want to make a martial arts movie right it's, yeah. it still seems like it's a stigma no it, it it is and you know the main thing is you have to sneak in martial arts here and there it has to be termed an action film because when you term it martial arts you know some producers they might feel like it's a niche or you're, you're eliminating the general public but 
if it's a character who kicks ass, then that's easy. They, they can wrap their head around it. What you're doing is you're still giving them power. And it's about power with things, power for influence. Because if you talk about a straight martial arts movie, then they don't have the power because they don't have the knowledge of the style, the history, what looks best. And it's too much power being given to the action team. But if it's an action movie, everybody's got an opinion. Notice the big difference of the Fast and the Furious franchise over the last three movies how the fight scenes are just as important as the car scenes now. Not too many people have caught that. That ever since part five, they've increased their fight scenes almost just as much as the car chases because they wanted that balance and the action entertains you. Plus, fight scenes are cheaper. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. You already got the actors there. Let them kick each other ass. Done. Right. And yeah, I mean, we've had... Martial arts disguised as John Wick, uh, as Jason Bourne. Yep. And, um, you know, like I said, it was great seeing uh, my guys and, you know, the team kick ass on John Wick. I mean, they basically reinvented Keanu Reeves' career to me. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, they put him on a whole nother level concerning action. I want to say, I, I want to say he's just as big, if not bigger, for John Wick than he was for Neil from The Matrix. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I want to add. Some people might argue with me and say, ah, Matrix is Matrix. Nah, but I guarantee you, when you think of Keanu Reeves, I bet you think of John Wick now. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, on that note, though, because we've got big name actors doing martial arts that they ne not necessarily were trained for, we get that little balance where the action is being performed by people that are kind of hiding in plain sight, right? The uh, the stunt doubles, the the fight coordinators and all that. And the actors, for obvious reasons, for insurance reasons, for whatever, uh, can't do those things because Hollywood just won't let that happen. Um, and recognition for those stunt doubles, for the fight coordinators, still isn't uh, a priority for, say, Oscar, right? Uh, no, not at all, because... Um it kind of kills the illusion. But what's funny is they, they don't mind showing our action clips during Oscar programs. That's what's right. interesting. <laughs> I, remember, I remember one year, maybe two years ago, there literally was a segment that advertised about two minutes worth of action. And I could not believe that. It felt like the ultimate insult to us. Because yeah. so many nominations actually had action. And instead of them showing an acting clip, they showed action. And mm -hmm. I was just like, man, this is this is just amazing. You know, but, you know, it, it's funny, like a lot of people, especially some old school people. And I kind of starting to feel the same way. This is not the business for recognition stunts. Your job, your job is behind the scenes. Your job is to make the actors look good. And you need to be content with that. Now, social media makes things different. OK. Because, you know, people advertise their pictures, them with their doubles, them showing some videos or behind the scenes. But it's still not like mainstream public. So, you know, it's it's kind of revealing, but yet not too much is still revealed. There's still a little mystery behind it at times as well. Yeah. But like you said, uh, it, it had to be a little bit grating to see all of that action, all of the stuff that you worked on, all of the blood, sweat and tears that the the doubles went through uh, and that credit was not being given directly to you guys, right? It was, it's being given to the actors that are pretending. And there's, 
where in that thinking do you kind of find that that happy medium where like, well, I did my job. I'm not getting recognized for it, but I did it. Well, that's that's kind of what you signed up for to begin with. Um, okay. When you hop in it, you know that already, you know, because usually you'll have some veterans around you that aren't, aren't even on social media, but they've done some amazing projects and they just keep it moving. Okay, like example, like uh, like somebody that I admire because he has some of the best choreography around, in my opinion, is uh, Brad Allen, you know, a uh, former, former student of Jackie Chan, member of his team or whatever, who's done Kick-Ass. He did, um, did Kingsman. Uh, he just recently did Solo, you know, for mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars, you know, cool. and he, he's done some amazing stuff. But no one knows about him too much outside pure martial artists or pure action junkies that he's done deliver some of the best fights you've ever seen. I mean, come on, think about uh, Kingsman, that church scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. R- ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. But once again, it's part of the job. You do your job, you keep it moving. If anything... I get it. You rather not look for the attention. You look for the relationships, you know, because at the end of the day, if you do a great job, then you have the ability to move on to bigger and better things because those producers or that studio enjoyed your work. And to me, that's more important than kudos. I mean, yes, yes, TV, you can win an Emmy, you know, for stunts. You know, that's the only recognition we truly have on a on a major level. And then we have our own stunt awards show, the Taurus Awards. You know, but that that's pretty much it. It's just a little bothersome because there's even for for me, uh, one of the things that uh, I <laughs> it, it's kind of silly comparison, but the voiceover actors for the uh, the kung fu movies that I grew up with, they never got recognized for their work either. But that was the soundtrack of my youth, so <laughs> I was like, man, they should get some kind of recognition. But um, and for stunt coordinators for uh, for the stunt doubles and all that, uh, you guys do so much and you do everything to make those guys look good. It's it just seems like th- there should be more recognition, especially on that grand scale, because w- if you guys don't do your work, if you guys don't do your job, there is no movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I, look, I agree to a certain extent. And, um, you know, if anything, I do believe that we should be nominated for an Oscar, you know, and we're not asking to be on TV. Yes, we know there's many awards and they've they've said at some point that there was no room to add more categories. And they did. They added more things within the last uh, four or five years, added two more categories and still have not added stunts. I don't know why. I don't know the real reason if there's politics behind it. If there's a hierarchy thing or if it truly is, they claim that there's no room or simply they just have no interest, you know, you know, so I'm not sure what the true bottom line is. There's been petitions. There's been videos by A-list actors and directors saying we should get a nomination or have a category, but it hasn't uh, come to life yet. Hopefully that changes. Yeah, hopefully. Now, the what you said, too, though, is uh, it's probably more important for the people that you work with to know and trust you and your work than it is for the public to recognize you and, and pat you on the back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Uh, and look at the end of the day, it's great to, you know, cause sometimes, you know, I'll post things as well just to, you know, either help people, inspire people to encourage them, et cetera, because, you know, information is free, you know, but if you're not giving up that information, you might actually hinder somebody from either, um, pursuing a dream 
or, you know, stop them from quitting or giving them the right tools that they're unaware of that many people won't tell them what to do, how to do things or what's proper procedure, what's the best way to be seen, you know, and and for me, that's very valuable. So, you know, I don't look for the props, but, you know, I look for every opportunity I can to either uh, say, hey, I know where you were. I know I've been there before, uh, but here's something that could help. Even if it's something as simple as, you know, me posting a video of something that I've done and talked about the process. So that way, if you attempt to showcase your skills, maybe I might help you set a better example so people can take you serious about your work when you do present yourself. Yeah. yeah. What's funny about that is that you don't look for props, but you personally get a lot of props from the people that you work with all over social media. Um, just case in point, uh, uh, Alain Moussi, who you worked with on Kickboxer Vengeance, right? Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah, great guy. Cool. Um, it, there's a couple of guys too, like Eric Jacobus. I think you've worked with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric and I work behind <laughs> the scenes. He's a great guy. I like Eric, awesomely funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a great guest on yeah, the show. Yeah, Mister well. Tekken, as I call him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. So look, you've been on the acting and the directing side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to do more of that still, or are you happier? Uh, wrecking things around other actors well actually i i think i will be making that move to the directing side uh probably for the next two years you know at least that that's a goal for me i'm not going to rush it um i do have some stuff i'm, I'm cooking up right now but uh, i want to do it when it's right but yeah i definitely want to get to the other side i mean looking at what my my bosses did at 87 with john wick with atomic blonde uh now john now John Wick 2 and 3 is coming up and Deadpool 2 and you really um, – not for everybody. It's not for everybody to make that transition and step up to directing. Some people do enjoy simply, hey, making kick-ass action and moving on. But you know, for me, I always enjoy telling stories and I try to tell stories in my fight scenes if I'm given opportunity. Uh, best example I can think of is uh, Undisputed 3. There was no, no – um, description for the finale it just said they fight that's it (laughs) seriously that's it and what it allowed me that it allowed it allowed the freedom to express myself and create layers to a fight you know and to tell a story of two people seemingly evenly matched and who gets the upper hand who makes an error who has to come back who has to bait somebody in who has to attack a weakness and that weakness could be someone's cockiness you know, and somebody else's strength might not be a technique. It might simply be heart. And we had the time to tell that type of story. And I believe those layers were seen in the fight that it wasn't just kick, punch, kick, punch, because then you get bored. You know, there had to be a roller coaster of that fight. Oh, is he going to get him? Oh, that was close. Oh, he almost had him. You know, so those are the things I try to think that the audience wants to see. You know what? There's no use to have a long fight if it's a boring fight. You know, so to me, that's an art of storytelling and that's the type of storytelling I hope to do with acting scenes as well at some point. And uh, hopefully we can have a conversation about that in a few years. Oh, that would be great. Uh, and, you know, it, if uh, if it's uh, anywhere near as good as the action that you coordinate, I think you're going to be quite successful at it. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I mean, <laughs> my, my bosses haven't made it easy on me since they're out there kicking ass, you know, with these <laughs> movies. So I definitely got to be careful when I do put myself out there because it's in, it's going to be an expectation, you know. So, I, you know, I'm definitely going to wait and wait for the right project. All right. Uh, let's do a quick lightning round. You ready? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
the depiction of New Orleans in the Disney movie Princess and the Frog. Your thoughts? Uh, 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 <laughs> we're definitely more than that. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely more civilized, more educated, and uh, yeah, we're way more than that. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, uh, NFL, NBA, or MLB? Uh, I gotta go NFL. I'm a big Saints fan. Nice, nice. What about who, who are your favorite teams in the other sports? Uh, well, look, I, I love the Lakers. You know, and I used to be a diehard Chicago Bulls guy. You know, when obviously Jordan was a part of it. Sure. You know. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, that's that's about it, you know, um, for me. Did you ever play sports yourself? Uh, I tried football at a time. Then I got into band and got out of band and then went into karate. So, you know, I, I love sports. But, you know, at a young age, I kind of let martial arts take over. And then from there, I was, I was just content with that. Yeah, well, I think you made the right choice. <laughs> I, I hope so. We'll, we'll, still, <laughs> we'll, we'll still see. All right. Uh, what's your favorite finishing move in Mortal Kombat? Uh, I gotta say, ooh, I gotta go old school. You know, I love, I like, I like Sub Zeros. Where I believe he, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I like Kano's, uh, the original. Where he just pulled your heart out. I mean, <laughs> come on now. You know, for someone to reach in and pull your heart out, that's that's just insane. Nice, nice. Um, I, I remember the the first uh, Mortal Kombat movie that came out when I uh, came out of that theater. After watching that movie, I wanted to rip someone's heart out because I was so hyped up. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely an inspiring, man. I mean, look, you know, from tournaments to that soundtrack, you know, people imitating us throwing on state shows, imitating those guys. I think I imitated Kano at one point or whatever. And yeah, it, it was good times. Yeah. All right. Uh you were a fan of uh, classic kung fu. Were you a fan of the Five Deadly Venoms? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. I remember there was an article like six, seven years ago. I believe they were trying to remake it. Yeah. And it was exciting, but it was intimidating. Like, she did really touch that. Yeah. You know, I, it, yeah. Didn't, it didn't happen, you know, maybe for, you know, good reasons. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, big, big fan of that. Yeah, because, I mean, they're still trying to talk about uh, ca- uh, redoing some of these classic kung fu films. And, and I'm I'm of two minds. I'm like, I, I would like to see it with a Hollywood budget, but I don't want anybody touching my classics, you know. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully they get the right people in it and trust that you don't have to cast. I mean, look, you know, I don't know, the hottest pretty boy or whatever, and then try to make him a badass. You know, hopefully they, they, they trust their instincts and, and get some authentic guys in it. All right, so let's let's do an exercise then. Um, let's cast the Hollywood remake of The Five Deadly Venoms. I'm going to go first because uh, I want to take this one off the board from you. But uh, I'm going to cast Michael Jai White as Toad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. All right. All right, so give me one. Pick one of them and cast somebody. Uh, I got to go Scott Atkins as... Uh, Damn, he could fit so many. Uh, which one do you think? I would say Scorpion, maybe, for that strength. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, and then I would I would throw in uh, Eco Uwais for for maybe Centipede. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> that's a good choice. That, no, no, that, that that is a good choice. Now, now I'm gonna hit you with this. Right. Ah, do you think they'll go politically correct and one of the Venoms is a female now? Oh, I would love that. I think that would be amazing. I believe I agree. That's who do you who, who do you throw in there though? You know what? She's a stunt girl. But 
uh, and I don't know of her acting ability, but she's probably one of the best fighters I've I've seen. I got to go with a girl by the name of Mickey Fiello. Yeah, and she's uh, she was in a short film that I covered in my show with Amy Johnson, and uh, it was Beauty versus Red with Vlad Rimberg. Yep. Vlatsky. <laughs> See, yep. somebody else that you worked with, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we worked together a lot, yeah. Yeah, I think she's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, no, she's definitely one of the uh, girls I want to say that, um, you know, if she took some acting lessons, I do believe she could cross over. But, you know, she's probably happy with what she does, and that's great that she's pure with it. But, yeah, definitely power, speed, intensity. Definitely does not fight like a girl if if you want to turn that or for some people, you know, when they say there's a difference between male action and female action, there's few that blur the lines. That's cool. And then I think the only thing they we have to cast then is the hybrid venom. Who would that be? The hybrid, the one that uh that that, that has all their styles. Oh jeez. Uh that's that's a tough one because I wanted the Marco in there. Mm. You know, Marco's a roar. Yeah. Because he could be strong like Mike. He could have fast hands like Eco, and he can do tricks like Scott Atkins. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I, I think I would be safe with that. I mean, yeah, yeah, just, you know, just I mean, come on, he's 6'3", you know, and he moves like a guy 5'7". <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, I mean, yeah, how often do you see that? You know, and, and for me, I, I believe you would have to, you know, catch somebody and see like like scott scott's a very uh great brawler you know with his techniques um but marco because he's he has like two styles he studied you know he could imitate somebody like eco you know where he could you know do a lot like movements because he has a wing chun background so his hand speed is different you know so yeah i, th- I think i think i'll, I'll settle nice on that. i think that would be worth watching for sure <laughs> Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. All right. Uh, next question then. If Bruce Lee were still alive and you got a chance to choreograph a fight scene for him, <laughs> what sequence would you design for him? <laughs> Bruce, I probably would sit back and let Bruce choreograph his own thing <laughs> and simply say, yes, sir. All right, let's get the cameras up. Ready? Uh, Bruce, you want to get ready? What would you like me to put these cameras, sir? <laughs> um, no, but there's got there's got to be something that you've 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 kind of held in your pocket for for something like that oh nah i mean like it's hard to even uh, even imagine something like that because his his creativity was just off the charts and you know um you know not to put anybody on his level but you know i felt that way working with a few people because they've Mm. done it so long and regardless if i have my own ideas you know i always want to respect what they've done but if i could take it up a notch then i would i mean uh like example for me, um, I got to think of Van Dam when I did Universal Soldier. Um, that was my second time working with Van Dam. I worked with him briefly on Dragon Eyes. I didn't choreograph that, but you know I helped uh, stunt coordinate it, and you know I threw out a few ideas here and there. But by Universal Soldier, um, I was able to choreograph everything. And, you know, he was like, Larnell, I just want to make sure you understand I don't move like that, you know. <laughs> but but he tried. Did you have Jean-Claude in there? Because it sounded just like him. A uh, l- little. No, <laughs> 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 no, nah, nah, he's a great guy. But, you know, I did challenge him a few times, you know, because um, I know he's, he's like a one-strike guy. He's not a combo guy. And, you know, I, and now that's what he's built himself off of. Uh, multiple kicks, big kicks, one big jump kick, you know, uh, punch pose. But for me, I wanted to 
test them and put a few combos together, even if it was like straight punch to elbow to head, but chop to the throat, then pump sidekick, you know, because people don't see him put that many things together. And that's because either, you know, either gets his way or the choreographers let him do what he want. But I challenged him a few times and he came through. And I, I was very happy with that. I was like, oh, shit, look at Van Damme out there. All right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I try not to let it go to my head that, oh, man, it's the same guy you was watching in high school. Now you're choreographing him. But, you know, when you got a job to do, I just say, hey, do your best and uh, try to make it memorable. Very cool. All right. Final question. And I'll, I'll erase it if you get it wrong. So what is your favorite podcast about Kung Fu and martial arts movies? Kung Fu driving podcast, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's correct no, no thanks <laughs> all right um last question then what is in the uh pipeline for larnell stovall where can my audience go to find out more information well um only thing i can say right now that i, I feel pretty confident about is i'll be working with mr gareth evans oh, uh nice. coming up uh we're doing a series called gangs of london and Right now, I gotta say it's probably gonna be one of the biggest challenges ever for me uh, because Gareth is crazy, and uh, <laughs> the action he wants to do it's gonna be uh, definitely gonna keep me up at night, sleep, uh, no, no sleep. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I look forward to that challenge simply because I really want to push the envelope and leave people with something they can truly remember. And you know, this is a guy I trust, so I look forward to. Uh, spending a year getting on each other's nerves with each other. So, <laughs> but you have <laughs> worked with awesome. them before, right? Yeah, yeah, we worked together in Indonesia before, and we were supposed to do another project together that got canceled uh, at the last minute. But we did prep it and shoot some stunt vids that's still mind blowing to this day. Uh, I won't all talk about it because it may come back up in another another two years, which would be great, you know. But uh, that's in my immediate future right now. I mean. I'm dipping and dabbing into some stuff here and there, but um, that's probably the next big thing that's going to take up a lot of my time. And other than that, I'm probably just going to be prepping some scripts and, you know, look for an opportunity to direct in the near future, you know, if the right project comes along. Other than that, you know, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, I'm easy to find, you know. So other than that, I look forward to hearing from people and hopefully delivering some more cool kick-ass films. Very cool. Um so I'm going to take the uh, take an opportunity to thank you for all the stuff that you have done. Obviously, I've, I, whether I knew it or not, I have grown up with your work. So <laughs> um, it's uh, I feel old now. <laughs> Someone says they grew up. Oh my god! Well, I, I'm older than you. So <laughs> so as uh, you were working, I was following your work. Let's put it that way. But um, but best of luck on everything that you got going on. I hope uh, to see much more of your stuff. I'm excited about Gangs of London. Uh, what you and uh, what you did for the raid too was fantastic. So I'm looking forward to whatever you're going to bring to Gangs of London. I think it's going to be fantastic. I really hope so. But yeah, I think we're going to have a great team. We got an awesome director and uh, who definitely knows how to execute action and a great vision. So it should be fun. Very cool. Very cool. Best of luck again, and um, I hope you get to come back and uh, we can talk some more about uh, some of that directing project that you got going on. Hey, definitely, definitely look forward to that, okay? And thanks again for your time. Outtakes. Mortal Kombat Conquest. That was the TV show? That was the TV show, the one that uh, starred uh, this dude from this Disney movie as Kung Lao. Yeah. It was the Kung Lao. Yeah, Paolo Montalban. Yeah, yeah. And that guy That guy is one of my friends in high school. <laughs> That is awesome. Look at that small world. 
And it's funny is Mortal Kombat Conquest probably was one of the first projects I tried to audition for um, because they had an open um, audition at a tournament where the stunt coordinator came down in Atlanta. And uh, I remember trying to make it. And the day before or two days before, I popped my knee and I couldn't even audition. But I still went anyway, just just to say hello to a few friends and see the coordinator. And next thing I know, a lot of my friends worked on the show. And that was their introduction into stunts, which allowed me to get into it as well. Uh, You've worked with uh, Amy Johnston, too? Uh, Let's see. Did I work with Amy yet? Like, truly, truly work with her? Um... Actually, no, not yet. Um, not yet. I mean, I know her. Um, we've been wanting to work together on something. I think I've recommended her from some stuff that I was involved with. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out. But, no, I haven't had a chance to work with her yet. But I have seen her work and, you know, very proud of the steps that she's making. All right, gang, that was Larnell Stovall. Much thanks to him. And what great insights from him into the stunt and fight choreography side of the films that we love so much. Check out his work on the Netflix series Altered Carbon and go check back over your action film inventory because chances are you've watched something he's put together. Follow him on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date, but keep in mind that he's probably already hard at work on the next thing to knock your kung fu socks off. As always, guys, if you're not checking out this show, go grab one of the hashtag Castaway shows on Twitter and check out some fun stuff from all over the entertainment spectrum and from all over the world, too. As for me... I'm on all the social media, and if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I've started my martial arts classes at the ripe old age of 46, and so far, so good. It's all baby steps, of course, but I haven't yet had to pop an eye back into the socket or push a bone back into my skin, so I'm two for two, and I hope the streak continues. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Shouting monks on their hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the land. Yeah, the little big soldier is old and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to graze jars. Fight for the cars, then pause here. Applause, not again. Back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here. Derry D is coming back. The Tai Chi master, jelly's even faster. The channel little drink because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time, a shiner. Rosamund Kwan is real fine, but see, Maggie show his spiner. Golden Swallow has arrived. Chan Chi movies will the hero will survive. We've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight. May as well pick a spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cut the vampire's back. We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back. He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword. And our sword will travel until his body's on floors. Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Man is style. Yeah, the Beat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. 
This time it's war We smash the place up with our dragon claws We walk into the tea house ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get a drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with our dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and giant account on the TikTok The Shogun Assassin's Lash and Blood are just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance that won't stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow But she is in the dragon, but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the walls No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed The fist of legend that the car jelly I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, spending for some action Drink a little wine, we getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, spending for some action Drink a